Would you please turn with me to your study outlines there in your program, and as you turn, let me welcome those of you that are joining us online, the hundreds, sometimes even thousands of people that join us online. Uh, we're so glad that you're joining us, as well as our friends at Purpose Church Kalispell, Montana, and Baptist Community Church in Arco, Idaho. We're so glad uh, to welcome our friends from Idaho and Montana, and from all over the place. People kind of listen in on our studies from different places across the country, even around the world. And so we are very, very glad uh, that you're joining us here today. We're continuing a series that we started a couple weeks ago called Uniquely Made, Tools for Understanding How God Made Each of Us. And if you missed uh, two weeks ago, I preached the whole message in the form of an introduction to the series. And if you want to uh, find out why we're doing this particular series, I'd encourage you to go to purposechurch.com tools. And if you go to that, you can watch the introduction to find out why we're doing this series, the, the thinking behind it. Uh, but also, um, to catch up for next, last Sunday, we did type one and type two, especially if you are one of those types to do that. But the most important thing is to take the free test uh, on that website to see which of the nine personality types uh, the, or the combination of personality types that God made you to be. Now, the test is not perfect. It is just a tool. And it's just as important, along with the test, to read the descriptions, to hear the descriptions of each type, and to ask your friends what they think as well. And you may not just be one, like I said. You may be a combination of several. And the way that every message will apply to everybody is, is three different ways. Uh, first of all, if you are, or if you think you are, from hearing the descriptions, one of the numbers we're talking about on a given day, then obviously that's going to have an application to you. If you know somebody or you're friends with somebody, or you're married to somebody with a particular number that we're talking about on a Sunday morning, like the threes and fours uh, today, and the ones and twos that we did last week, and the fives and sixes we will do next Sunday, then obviously that's going to be a point of application. But then for everybody, we can learn something from all the numbers. We are better together, and we're better when we're all together learning from each other. So last Sunday we talked about how if, if from the ones we can learn in a broken world and in our own brokenness, how the reformers can help us to address those things. And then we looked at how the helpers uh, can be encouraging uh, to those around us. We can look uh, like a helper would to see people, to really see them, to see what they're going through, see what their hurts are in their life, and to uh, be able to love them in, in the name of Jesus. So there's applications for everybody, either learning from the number or your particular person in your life that's that number, or uh, maybe you personally are that one. Now, many families have told me already, I mean, I've seen more spiritual breakthroughs on this series already, just a few week, couple weeks into it, than I've ever seen for anything. And many families have told me how this has brought greater understanding in their family. I know it has for my family. And it's brought greater unity to their family. Uh, but that is not always the case. I got such a kick out of uh, this email I received this week. Uh, here is the Landa family. And the Landas did not experience unity through the taking of the test. Uh, their father, um, the father of the family, Michael, he wrote me this. Glenn, up until a few months ago, I knew nothing about what an Enneagram score was, nor did I even care. But because my family was analyzing their scores, as well as assessing their friends on what they thought their score would be, they urged me to find out what my number was. I took the test, and the result was that I am a three. Not one family member believed that I answered the questions correctly or, 
or honestly, since they all thought I was a two. So I took the test a second time. The result from the second assessment, I'm still a three. Their general responses to me taking the assessment the second time with my results of being a three are below. My daughter, she is a five. We'll talk about that next Sunday, an investigator. So she had the least amount of pushback on my score, but was just curious about what number I was. She still believes I'm a two, but no drama involved. My son, since he is a three, he has given me the most pushback about me being a three. I'm really not sure if his angst is because he truly believes I'm a two, or if he is so devastated that he is just like his dad. (laughs) I'm going with the latter and going to make sure that I remind him at every opportunity, of course, that he is just like me, and how fortunate he is that I passed on these great gifts to him. (laughs) You're welcome, son. My wife, well, she is a one, and I'm sure you know what this means. She needed to take the test for me to get the correct results. (laughs) Now, this may surprise you, but the results from her answering the questions for me, the way that she thought they should be answered, showed that I am a two. (laughs) Obviously, you can see this is divine intervention, and I cannot be anything but a two in her mind. So last week, I took the test again through the Purpose website. And guess what? I am still a three. (laughs) Family still believes I am a two please respond with the name of a great family therapist. (laughs) Blessings, Michael. So we can't guarantee results. They may vary uh, from person to person and from family to family. Now today we're going to talk about the three, uh, the achiever or the successful achiever. This is the success-oriented, pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, driven, And one of the things they struggle with is being image conscious. Now, Pastor Lisa and I are both threes, but she graciously let me take this one, and I'm so grateful that she did. Uh, This past week, I was speaking um, at a pastor's event in Phoenix, and so it kind of wiped out two days of my schedule, made the the week really jammed. Uh, And and so I want to thank Pastor Lisa for letting me take the three, because it has been so, so easy to prepare for this. It's really easy to prepare for the one uh, that is your number. Now, the main weakness of a three is that we try to look better than we are. That's our main weakness. We try to look better than we are. Uh, Here's what it's like to be a three, and and see if any of these connect with you um, in any way. What it's like to be a three. It's important for me to come across as a winner. I love walking in a room and knowing that I'm making a great first impression on the crowd. The keys to my happiness are efficiency, productivity, and being acknowledged as the best. I don't like it when people slow me down. I know how to airbrush failure so it looks like success. (laughs) I love that one. I'd rather lead than follow any day. I am competitive to a fault. I can find a way to win over and connect with just about anyone. I'm a world champion multitasker. I keep a close watch on how people are responding to me in the moment. It's hard for me to not take work along on vacation. Now, no elbows into the uh, ribs, all right? Um, Kimberly and I had an interesting we're not going to call it a fight. Let's call it a discussion about this uh, midway through our last vacation. We had quite a discussion on it. Uh, it's hard for me to name or access my feelings. Sometimes I feel like a phony. I love setting and accomplishing measurable goals. 
I like other people to know about my accomplishments. I like to be seen in the company of successful people. I don't mind cutting corners if it gets the job done more efficiently. People say I don't know how or when to stop working. I'm so glad that Kimberly is up uh, watching the grandchildren in Seattle uh, because she would be saying inappropriate things, shouting them from the, uh, uh, from the audience if she were here. Um, here's, here's, my, here's my favorite quote uh, for the threes. It's from Noel uh, Coward. He says, work is more fun than fun. And he says, threes want to say amen to that. Work is more fun than fun. Uh, Kimberly complains all the time that I don't have any hobbies. And I say to her, who needs a hobby when you have the church? I mean, what's a more fun hobby than, than Purpose Church? This is as, as fun as it gets. Now, how many of you think even a little bit of you might be a three? How many of you reconnect with any of those? Let me see. Okay, this is great. Any of you? All right, I see people holding people's hands up. I saw that, Casey. Holding Tracy's arm up on that. Absolutely. Okay, anybody else on the balcony? Okay, I just want to get, get a chance. How many of you think that you might might know a three. Let me, let me see your hands. How many of you think you might? Okay, almost everybody uh, seems to know a three. Our son-in-law, Kenny, is a three, and there were subtle signs of this when he was a child, okay? Uh, the, uh, you know, it's, it's, his parents begin to pick up subtle hints. That, uh, this is what's called a three in the making, all right? So now, here's, here's about threes. Threes are driven and success-oriented. Uh, sometimes to the point of caring more about how they appear to others uh, than they should. Uh, their core fears are being exposed as or, or thought of as incompetent, insufficient, or worthless, uh, failing to be or appear successful. Their basic desire is to make a difference in the world. Now, how uh, I typically uh, communicate if you are a three, if you are a three, how do you typically uh, communicate? When threes are healthy, they are clear, straightforward, confident, motivating, efficient, focused on solutions, and encouraging. Now, we've done Bible characters with each one of these. Um, uh, Paul, uh, last week with Pastor Eric, was an example of a reformer. Uh, Martha, that I did, was a, was a helper. Um, Pastor Lisa, by the way, she's got a great one coming up, just, just awesome. And they couldn't be more different, could they? And I'm so grateful that, that she gave me the three, but, but she does an amazing job with the, with the four coming up. Um, Moses is an excellent example of a three. And she's going to do David with, um, with the four. Uh, some historians consider Moses possibly the greatest leader to ever live. Uh, I mean, to take that huge number of people uh, from a life of slavery and over 40 years to form them into a functioning nation was just a tremendous accomplishment. And so when Moses was a healthy three, uh, he was absolutely amazing. And there's so many examples as you go through the story of Moses uh, that I could give. Let me just give you a couple. Exodus 18, verse 13. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening because for Moses, uh, work was more fun than fun. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning un until evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. I mean, it was, this is God's will. Who, who can stop working when it's God's will? 
Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. You threes in the room or the threes that you know, you got to watch out that they'll wear themselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way that they're to live and how they're to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they could decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they'll share with you. So it'll prevent you burning out, but then the next verse, it'll prevent burnout from him. If you do this and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. See, see, that's twofold. You won't burn out. And number two, the people will be ministered to. When we, when we fail to delegate like we should uh, to other people, when we fail to do that, uh, we'll break under the strain and people will not be satisfied. Their needs will not be met. But if you do what I'm saying, Jethro, his father-in-law says, you'll stand up under the strain, you'll be healthier, and the people will be more effectively ministered to. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He was so humble. Uh, he was a healthy three at this moment where he was able to take constructive criticism, even from his father-in-law, and receive that and say, here's a more effective way that I can bless and help more people and I can stand the strain as well. I'll be healthier and their needs will be met and they will be healthier as well. Now the reason he was able to do this, Numbers 12 verse 3, it says, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And it was his humility, despite his great giftedness, that made him so effective. And, and then you come to the end of Deuteronomy. So we studied the book of Deuteronomy during the summer. And, and we saw how when a, a three is healthy, uh, they're able to encourage, they're secure in themselves, so they're able to, to raise up other leaders. They're able to share the load. They're able to equip the younger generation or others uh, coming up after them and able to share the load with them so that they can minister and they can learn as well. And he did this with Joshua. It says, then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That's a healthy three. Now, when threes are unhealthy, uh, they can be self-promoting, impatient, with emotional or lengthy conversations. They can get angry or short-tempered when frustrated. Um, threes lose their temper, especially if it's something they want to do or accomplish, and, and there's a roadblock to that. That's when they get frustrated. They, they lose their temper. They get short-tempered, angry, and not willing to fully disclose what's going on inside. 
Now, there are a couple of examples that we could use. One from the beginning of Moses' life, when he, remember, he killed the Egyptian. He says, look, I want to free the people from slavery. And so he kind of takes matters into his own hands, doesn't wait for God's plan. And he kills one of the slave masters. And he, he has to learn for 40 years. It takes him 40 years to recover from that mistake. And by the way, could I just say an encouragement to you? Maybe you feel like there's some mistake in your past and you're like, man, I, I will never recover from that. No, no, you will. It may take a little bit of time to learn from it and to recover from it, but eventually Moses did and God used him in a tremendous way despite a youthful mistake that I think came out of his unhealthy threeness. Uh, but now at the end of his life, he makes this, this big mistake, okay? Uh, it says in Numbers 20, verse 7, that all the people had been criticizing Moses and complaining to him because there wasn't water uh, for them in the desert. And the Lord said to Moses, take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together, speak to that rock. So God's very clear, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. So far, so good. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them. Remember, God said, speak to the rock. He, he, Moses speaks to the people. Now, I believe I know what's going on in his head. He's thinking, I have had it with these people. They have been complaining and criticizing me year in, year out. And, and this is particularly, it's a danger for anybody of any age, especially the threes of, of any age. But I think it's particularly a danger as you get older. I'm in my 60s now, and I'm telling you, I know what Moses is thinking right here. He's thinking to himself, I have been nice for a long time. And it's time to let them know exactly what I think about them. And so he, he, he lets it rip. You think, you know, I've done a lot of good things, so God will cut me slack if I just do this one thing. And you know what? As you get older, man, we, none of this, I'm old, so I have a right to be grouchy stuff, okay? Let's not do that. As we get older, the fruit of the Holy Spirit should, should saturate us more. We should become more loving and patient and kind and gracious as the years go by, not less so. So Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Uh-oh, what's this we stuff? There again, a three likes to take more credit than they deserve. And so it, it's, he's like the dog. He's just like the dog. Okay, it's God that's driving the car in the back, but the dog's going, we're driving this car. No, you're not, Mr. Dog, uh, sweet German shepherd. The guy in the back is driving it. You just have your paws up there, okay? Uh, and, and he says, we to him. Then Moses raised his arm out of anger, strikes the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out. Now here's the good news. Moses is still in heaven. Moses was still greatly used by God. He, the, the people were still provided for by water gushing out. It's just that, it's just that he didn't finish well. He didn't wrap it up well. He didn't run strong right through the finish line. And the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give to them. 
So practical next steps, uh, practical next steps uh, for uh, the threes among us. Number one, slow down. Slow down. Number two, draw some boundaries around your work life, taking time to prioritize your own needs, relationships with others, and your own walk with God over your goals. Remember, it's not just your goals that are important. Your walk with God is important. Your healthy relationships with other people and even your own needs. Uh, Number three, do something unproductive. Aren't you glad you came to church today? This is the big takeaway. Do something unproductive just for the sake of rest, enjoyment, or fun. What leads to conflict with threes, being treated as unimportant or worthless, being accused or held responsible for another person's poor performance, being given a task or a job that I am most likely going to fail at or not be able to achieve a high status. How to show threes love. Uh, Tell them that you like being around them. Tell them how proud you are of them and their accomplishments. Please don't interrupt them while they're working. (laughs) Give them honest but not unduly critical or judgmental feedback. Help them keep their surroundings harmonious and peaceful. What can we learn from the threes? That God wants us to live a life of purpose that makes a difference for eternity. All right. Well, it's kind of crazy having your number shared up here. It feels like your soul's being unbared before everyone. So kind of pull it together here. And we're going to talk about fours. Anybody know that there are four individualist, romantic? Anyone? They're like journaling. They're writing a song. They're burying their soul somewhere. Okay. Here's a confession from Drew who shared with me a little bit about what it was like to grow up as a four. Okay. When I was seven or eight years old, my mom opened the door to our basement stairs and found me sitting on on the top step. It's unclear how long I'd been there, but it had been a while. I was hunched over an old tape recorder listening to Jim Croce's I'll Have to Say I Love You in a Song, alone, on repeat, in the dark. I'm pretty sure when I was seven, I didn't know any actual girls, even if I did, it may be a little bit early in life to musically drop the L word, but I remember liking how that song made me feel heavy, deep, full on the inside. I was in another world, one inside me that felt bigger and more colorful than real life, where someone had hooked an electric wire to my soul and hit the juice. My parents didn't know about the Enneagram back in 1989. If they had, it would have been pretty clear to them what was up. I was a four. All right, our fours. We love our fours. The fours are the ones who cry every time they watch The Notebook, and they've watched it a thousand times, right? The fours. Okay, this is their motto from from Doctor Who, okay? This is like some words that they love. What's good about sad It's happy for deep people, all right? They love this stuff. They are big on the inside. So if you are raising a four, hang in there, all right? It can be an emotional ride. But our fours are fabulous. They are created to feel deeply. They are, you know, sometimes they just beat to a different drum. Sometimes they beat even without a drum. They like make up their own instrument, right? And that's okay. That's good for our fours. They are our creatives. You know, sometimes when we're raising kids, man, are we tempted to raise kids to be little mini-me's, 
rather than to be the people that God has created them to be. So fours, they are introspective, they are reflective, they are sensitive, they are dramatic. Um, they feel on a lot on the inside. They're big on the inside. Pastor Glenn was talking about threes. Threes, we're kind of big on the outside. Fours, they're big on the inside. They feel all the feels. Okay, so let's read about them. Fours are emotionally honest. Isn't that beautifully said? Emotionally honest. They are in touch with everything that's going on on the inside. They're creative and personal. At their best, they are inspired and highly creative and able to renew themselves and transform their experiences. They typically have problems with melancholy, self-indulgence, and self-pity. Okay, so because fours are so aware of what's going on emotionally, these guys tend to be creatives. They tend to be our songwriters. They tend to be our poets, our writers, our dramatists. They tend to be storytellers. All of those worship songs we're singing, man, I bet they were written by fours, right? Beethoven, I bet he was a four. I mean, these guys feel deeply on the inside. And thank God for that, that they can connect to those emotions. They are not scared by pain or by sadness. They're comfortable in that area. And thank goodness for that because they are great empathetic listeners when the rest of us hit those places of pain or sadness. And we like to just kind of cruise by and visit. And they kind of can camp out there. And that's what they have to be careful of. Fours have to be careful not to camp out there. They have to feel all the feels, but then they've got to find ways to move on from those emotions. All right. Now, I know some of you think about this whole touchy-feely thing, and you're like, eh, I don't have any feelings. It's, you know, I don't, I don't connect with all this. You're the ones, like, during worship, when everybody's raising their hands in worship, you kind of fold your arms. And you're like, oh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> you're our fives. We are coming for you next week. So you are not escaping this. Look out. We're, we're on our, our way to you. Fours just feel different. They feel like, oh, I just don't fit in. They don't feel like they have a place. They really want to. They want to feel like they can fit in, but it's just a struggle for them that they just don't feel like they can. So let's talk about their core fears. Okay, a core fears of a four, that they have no identity or personal significance. They feel inadequate, emotionally cut off. They feel really plain and mundane, defective, flawed, or insignificant. So these are things that they really struggle with um, feeling, and they walk around with that. Okay, let's look at their basic desires. It's to find themselves and their significance, to create an identity. This is something that um, they're constantly looking for. And this is why when a four finds Jesus, it is a beautiful thing. Because they find their identity as a child of God. They find their, their purpose as being uniquely made in how God has called them for a, a particular mission or passion or calling in their lives. When a four is doing well, here's how they communicate. Uh, they'll communicate when they're doing well as authentic, deep. They'll express their emotions with inner balance, with empathy, and they're a great listener when others are sad or grieving. But when fours are not doing well, I can be moody, emotionally intense, a bit explosive, cold or detached, condescending, and steer the conversation to focus on me. 
So four's big kind of like core sin that they struggle with is envy. They basically want to be anybody else but themselves. They want to be everybody else. So for or four, they're looking at all the other numbers and they're like, man, I wish I was a one. So like, I could be right all the time. I wish I could be a two and, and be a servant to people. I wish I could be a, a three and be an achiever. I wish I could be a, a five and be a deep thinker. I wish I could be a six. And at least then your core fear is like fear itself. And that just seems to make sense. Or maybe I could be a seven and I could have a good time. I could be an eight and tell people like it is, or I could be a nine and just be a peacekeeper and take a nap. You know, all those things sound good. Fours struggle with um, being envious and they struggle with identity. But honestly, we all struggle with these things at some level too. We all struggle with envy and we all struggle with identity. Now, fours are so cool because they really connect deeply to the heart of God. And you know there's a person in scripture that was known as the man after God's own heart. And he was brilliant and he was uniquely made. He was a unique leader that God put into leadership for the Israelites because he was a warrior and he was also a poet. He carried a weapon in one hand and he carried a harp in the other hand. He was just as comfortable leading his men with a war cry into battle as he was weeping openly before the Lord or dancing with unabashed joy before his creator. His name was David and he led well. We have so many amazing examples of how David lived and made decisions well. But we also have a moment in time that is captured in scripture where David's emotions and passions got out of balance with his mind, his morals, and his faith. And when that happened, we see that his foreness became out of balance and he leaned into his sin nature of envy. You see, one day when David walked away from his day job to kind of peruse out on his balcony, the, the top of his rooftop. And his passions and emotions got the best of him. He saw a woman that he found attractive that was bathing. And rather than controlling his passions and emotions, he let the sin in his heart gain momentum. He fanned that flame. And when we fan the flame to our sin nature, it tends to run ahead of us. And so he called for that woman and he slept with her and she became pregnant. And in an epic story, David then created a scenario to have her husband killed so that she could become his wife. You see, when we let that, those passions or our sin nature, we fan that flame, sin also often comes together in clumps. They kind of clump together. And so not only was it envy and greed and lust, it became violence and murder. And these sins combined together and became a tangled mess that was very difficult to unwind. And no one wanted to confront David. Who goes before the king and says you are morally wrong, that you abused your power? No one in the kingdom wanted to do that except one man. There was one man, and his name was Nathan. 
And he was not afraid to go and confront his earthly king because he reported to the king of the universe. And God is so gracious in how he reached out to David. Because if David had been a one, God could have spoken to Nathan and had David convicted and said, you are not following the law, you are not doing what is right. But he did not say that to David. If David had been a three, perhaps God would have approached him through Nathan and said, you are not leaving a successful legacy of being a king. You are not achieving well. But he did not say that because David was not a three. If David truly was a four, as I suspect he was, God had such a beautiful way of connecting with the heart of David. He sent Nathan to David and he said, David, I need to tell you about two men in your kingdom. One is a rich and wealthy man and he has many sheep in his flock. But there is a poor man and he owns only one sheep. And he has poured his whole life into caring for this sheep. He has taken the small amount of money he has and he has fed the sheep. He has taken his own cup and he has given water to this sheep and at night he cuddles with the sheep to keep this sheep warm. But when a visitor came to visit the rich and wealthy man, he came into the kingdom and there was to be a feast for him. And rather than taking a sheep from the vast amount of sheep in his own flock, the rich man said, go to the poor man and take his one lone sheep and slaughter it for the feast. And as soon as David heard this story from Nathan, he reacted. And this is what he says in scripture. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives. I know, ooh, it was a different time though, you know, master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why? Have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Ah, God spoke to David in the way he needed to be heard, in the way he needed to hear it. Now, there was big consequences for David's sin, but David was restored to the Lord. Isn't that good to know? That God still restores when we screw up big time, just as David had. Now, with our fours, um, you know, if you connect with that or you know someone like that, um, I'm so grateful that, um, that David did not just, his story doesn't end there. Because David, we know, as a, as a four, as someone who is so in touch with his emotions, he would go on to write some of the psalms that we go to the most. When some of us don't even have access to those emotions, or we only feel those marginally sometimes. And when we need to go to a place that kind of, you know, it goes to the mountaintops, or it goes in the deep ravines, where do we go? We go to the Psalms, right? I mean, it took someone like David who could go out and behold the stars in the sky and he would write this in Psalms. 
Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is humankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and with honor. So you may get the idea that fours are just tortured artists who are constantly out paddling their rowboats in the rain while they're journaling, you know, and they're like listening to dashboard confessional over and over, right? Okay, thank God there's more to our fours than that. And I, for one, am so grateful for our fours because they really do allow us to see the incredible potential that God has put into the hearts and the souls of humanity, that there is a depth inside that is sometimes hard for a lot of us humans to access, that fours do. And thank God for our fours. They are the people you want in your life when you are going through sadness and pain and hurt because they'll hang with you there. They're comfortable there and they will go there with you. All right, so here's some encouragement for are fours. Uh, the worship team can come on and head up as we talk about these things. Fours need to avoid putting off things until they are in the right mood. Um, they need to commit themselves to being productive and having some meaningful work in their lives that gives them a sense of purpose and feels like they're contributing to the world. If they wait till the mood is right, they're never going to get there. They need to take action. They also need to hold on to the word enough. For fours, they really um, struggle with these feelings of envy, and their life can sometimes feel like the eternal quest for the Holy Grail. They're just never getting there, and they need to hold on to the idea that God has given them enough. God has created them to be enough, that Jesus is enough for them. They also need to hold on to the idea of balance. And it's important for those of us who have fours in our life to honor their feelings. Let them feel all the feels. Cry with them. Good cry. But then they've got to be able to move on and do the right thing. For fours, they need to feel your emotions but follow your faith. Fours need to hold on to that idea. Their emotions are not bad. They can feel all those things, but they can't trust their emotions all the time. They have got to follow their faith. Spiritual disciplines. Now, spiritual disciplines are good for all of us, but they're really good for fours in this way. Spiritual disciplines are things like reading our Bible, memorizing scripture, praying, going to church, participating in your small group, serving. And these things are not always emotionally riveting for fours. And so it's easy for them to abandon them. But the thing with spiritual disciplines is that they are transformative to our being over a period of time. When we endure those things, when we persevere in those things, they transform our souls. And that is so important for fours. Fours need a, an emphasis in creativity. They need that outlet. They need to feel that they are um, part of the creation, that they are part of our creator. They are making an influence on our world. And then finally, this psalm that David wrote, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is the theme scripture for our force that they need to hold on to in all of their desire to be unique and significant, to be reminded by a four in scripture that they were fearfully, 
created in their mother's womb. We're so grateful. Well, as we get ready to um, move into our time of worship, um, I'm just going to invite you. We're going to have some pastors down here in the front during our closing song. And sometimes during a series like this, it can awaken things in us. Maybe there's some things that you feel like you want to confess or pray over, or maybe someone in your family who you know is a three or a four that you're just having a hard time with right now that you'd like some prayer for. We would absolutely love the opportunity to pray with you during our our closing worship song. So um, let me just pray as we finish up here and and head into worship. Jesus, thank you for some time to think about how you've uniquely made us. I'm so grateful as I get to look out here at my brothers and sisters how cool it is that you are a genius God who made us all different. And today, Jesus, we are especially thankful for our threes and our fours for our spouses and our kids and our grandkids, for our parents, for our friends, for our coworkers. Jesus, you have uniquely made us. And would you help us to be men and women who can reach out to these personality types with kindness and with grace to affirm all the good gifts that you have given them. And for those of us who are threes and fours, oh Jesus, would you help us to yield our rough edges to you so that you can continue to shape us and and mold us into your image. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.